Take your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1, please. Going to continue a very important series on taking on the darkness. A Christian's attitude in response to the darkness of this world. Colossians chapter 1. In your New Testament, when you found it, would you please stand? Colossians chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 11 to 14 together, all together. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. All right, we'll begin in verse 11. We'll read down together, down to verse 14. As soon as Dean gets there, we got to wait on him. It's in the New Testament, brother. All right. Okay, together, starting at verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, wow, what you've done. We can just stop and rest. Now, we can't rest too long because there is a fight going on. There is a battle to get into, but we can rest. We don't have to panic. We don't have to worry about whether we're going to win or not. Lord, I pray you'd encourage us this morning with your word and help us to, to believe those scriptures. May it just be shown by our lives, Lord. I pray you'd encourage everybody here this morning and also rebuke and correct and exhort in every way needed, Lord, so that the darkness has no place in our church, in our homes, Lord, if it be possible, even in our nation, God, please, I pray for revival. I pray for a great awakening. I pray for light in, in every way from the lives of Christians. No matter how few, may we be a bright and shining light. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Now, I know Halloween is past. Some of this I was going to talk about last week, but there's just no way to get to it. But as I said last week, I want to say you and I are caught in the middle of a very uh, intense, of, if not epic, battle. There are two powerful kingdoms at war. They are the kingdom of darkness, we were translated from it, and the kingdom of God's dear Son. If you don't know that, you and if you come to this church, you've been living in la-la land because the war that's going on is real. Now, it's been this way for a long time. It's been this way ever since creation. We read last week in, in Isaiah 14, just one of the scriptures that describes Lucifer falling and being kicked out of heaven. And he has never gotten over that. And he only wishes to destroy everything that God ever made. Now, the, 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 there, are, there are some things that you need to know about this war. You cannot ignore it. You cannot just go on with your life as a Christian and live like the war doesn't exist. Really, you can't just go on and ignore the war, even if you're not a Christian, because there is a spiritual battle going on, 
And if, if, if you think that there's nothing spiritual, then your eyes aren't open. There, is a, there are two facts I want to just say. Number one, there is a general turning away from the truth. Everybody would love to just believe anything and everything. Uh, uh, you just try and go up to somebody and say, you believe in God? You know what they'll say? Oh, well, I believe in a power. I believe in a spirit. I believe we're all connected. Everybody believes something. But they won't believe the truth. There is a general turning away from the truth. Secondly, even among Christians, there is a turning to Satan. The Bible says that some Christians are already turned aside after Satan. They are, they are following darkness, and, and really they get a buzz out of it. And that's Christians. And it bothers God, it bothers me, to watch Christians just pull away. It ought to, it ought to scare you. It ought to scare you that Christians play with and toy with demonic things. Now, hopefully you don't do that, but I wonder. There are spirits in the darkness of this world that a Christian has no business messing with. You say, well, I just, I just read my horoscope just, just to see what they say. That's demonic. Well, I, I every once in a while I go to and talk to this fortune uh, teller and, and uh, this woman, she just sort of tells me about, you know, when I'm going to get married and all this stuff. You're playing with demons. I'll scare you. Nobody has ever been helped by messing with the darkness of this world. Jesus said in John 10.10 that Satan cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's never helped anyone he ever influenced. Now we've got to fight the good fight. We need to fight this battle right. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, not on this life. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, Thou therefore endure, so, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So there's a, there's a, now I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God, I'm, I'm in the family of God, but I'm a soldier too. I'm in this fight and I need to learn how to fight it. Now, Jesus Christ gave every believer what they needed to be more than a conqueror. We need to go to Romans, go left. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Romans 8, 37. Romans chapter 8. Verse 37 down to verse 39, it says, Nay, in all these things we're not defeated. We are more than, what's the word? We're more than conquerors. We're more than victors. Through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, does, does death defeat any Christian. Looks like it does, but we know better. Nor life, and I've seen some people in some pitiful situations where it looks like they're defeated. Nor angels, nor principalities, those are demons. Nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height. How many of you ever had a bully that was smaller than you? You didn't. They're all bigger than us, amen? So something bigger than you, something beneath you, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. So Jesus Christ gave us what we need to be more than conquerors. But I hope to give you a response to the demonic attack. Hope to give you a little bit of training. I'm doing in just two short periods of time, and really I'll finish it tonight, and I, I beg of you, please come back tonight to get the rest of it.
be like having a hamburger and all you got was the bun. So come tonight for the, the meat and the cheese and everything else. Uh, but uh, give you a little bit of training, try to show you some right kind of weapons so that we're not pushovers to the devil. So we're going to start, I need you now to go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians, to the right, back to the right, just after, just before Colossians is the book of Philippians. And I'm going to say some things, and maybe I'll upset you, but that's my goal, because if I get you upset, maybe you'll pay attention. Number one, I want to say that there are so many invalid, lame, weak, powerless Christians today. Say amen. It is true. It's embarrassing. There are Christians, and I understand we go through things, and I'm not demeaning anybody. Don't think that I'm thinking of anybody. I'm saying I'm looking at a huge group of people who are supposed to be more than conquerors, and they live defeated. They're, they're for all practical purposes, it's like they go around with a big loser sticker on their forehead. They're in bondage to sin. They live no different than anyone else on their block, or in their school, or at their office. They're defeated. And that's embarrassing because if you're in an army, if you're fighting the enemy and everybody else is around saying, oh, I can't fight. Oh, I want to go home. You're like, come on, guys. We've got to win. Now, Philippians chapter 3, I want you to see something because there is, there's, a, there's, a, there's a problem here. And um, let me just go through this list and then we'll look at the Scripture. The problem is there are a lot of people who are just too ignorant of the prizes that are ahead if we just keep pressing on. They're ignorant of what is ahead for the Christian. They think this is where they need to live. They think that this is where they need to stack up their prizes. They're too comfortable in their sins. You know, that's very convicting because what are you comfortable with that you know God says don't do? And that defeats us. That unplugs us from the power of God. There are Christians who live together when they ought to be married. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are Christians who don't mind or don't care what they watch on television or what they have on their phone, and they're too comfortable with their sin, and no wonder they're powerless. Amen? There are people, there are Christians who are confident in themselves. They have no real need to pray. They never strive to read through their Bible constantly. They never strive to study their Bible. Not when you have a hundred YouTube channels to peruse every day or every week. Who needs to study their Bible? It's all pre-digested for them. They're too confident in themselves. They're too concerned about the discomfort that'll happen if they ever, if they ever felt the need to fast. Oh, I, I, I couldn't go three hours without eating. What? There are, there are, there are people in this room who haven't fasted in years, if ever. There are people in this room who find it hard just to pray every day. There are people in this room who don't make time to open their Bible and read page after page, going through their Bible, finishing it at least once a year. See, that's impossible. What? You know, I, I live in Ireland. I don't know where you live, but when I got here, almost everybody I met read the newspaper cover to cover. How many remember those days? Don't you tell me you can't read four pages of the Bible. Too concerned about the loss that spiritual warfare demands. Just, you know, say, you know, if, if, if spiritual warfare demands that I be in church three times a week, guess where I need to be? In church three times a week. 
Oh, well, it's just, it's just not comfortable. I got my own schedule. Yeah, and you lose. And there are, too, there are too many people who have too shallow of worship. So they come in late to church. They leave as soon as it's over. They never come on a Sunday evening. They never come on a Wednesday evening. They, they, I would say if I ever passed by you, you'd be listening to 96 FM instead of listening to a good godly song and raising your hand worshiping God in your car. You say, you do that better, lead better? You ought to see me when nobody's watching. When I'm on the radio and I've, uh, um, Gavin's been there and so has uh, James Foley and I haven't done it particularly in front of them, but when I'm alone in that radio station and we're playing one of those gospel songs just before I get to give the gospel between the songs, I'm just praising God. You know why? Because I need it. It is how I have to live. I have to sing. I have to worship because otherwise I'll die. So you wonder, why are we defeated? Because your worship's shallow. You won't raise your voice above a whisper. You come to church and it's just not important to you. Let me tell you, that's a problem, amen? Now what a Christian is ought to be, oh, I, I want to read this. Huh, I forgot to read it. Verse, chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. We'd say, have arrived. I haven't attained to the level that I need to be as a Christian. But that's okay. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, what am I doing? I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before me, ahead of me, and I press toward the mark for the what? There's a prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a reason. There's a payoff. There's a reward for getting in the fight and winning the fight. And when you don't, when you don't, when you're, when you're ignorant of that prize, when you're comfortable in your sin, when you're confident in yourself instead of in the name of the Lord Jesus, when you're concerned about all the discomfort that there is in Christianity and you're too shallow in worship, you're ruined and you won't get the prize. So, let me talk about what a Christian is. Very briefly, number one, a Christian is, is, is forgiven. How many of you like that part? I mean, I'm not perfect and never will be perfect. And my striving is not to be perfect. What I am, however, is forgiven. Forgiven from all things what, what the law could not forgive me for. And a Christian is forgiven. Second great thing about a Christian, a Christian is a follower. Who are you following? Well, I dress like Beyonce. And I just love Justin Bieber. And the new guy is Kanye. Now, I don't know if Kanye saved or lost. He's got a pretty good testimony there, folks. But I don't want to be like him. I don't want you following him. God doesn't want you to follow him. You know who you need to be following? Jesus Christ. A Christian is a follower of one person, the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. But you know what else a Christian is? He's a fighter, a conqueror. At least we're supposed to be. How we respond to spiritual attack is as a winner. And I want to talk about that this morning. 1 Peter, you're in Philippians, go to the right, find 1 Peter chapter 5. Right after Hebrews is James, and then 1 Peter chapter 5. <clears throat> Who's our enemy? I mean, you ought to know who that is. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, Be sober. What does that mean? Wide awake. Like driving at night, 
and you're, 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 you've got traffic around you, it's raining, and all eyes are on that road, both hands are on the wheel, there's no way you can take your eyes off that, that, that road because of the danger that's there. And the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Verse 8, why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who he may devour. You know, when you think about it, the devil ought to be terrifying to you. Because he, some Christians think that he can't touch you. I get news for you. That's written to Christians. That is written to Christians. And I see it all the time. I'm in danger of it as well. If I drop my guard, if I think that I can get away with sin, if I pull back from biblical Christianity and try to live my own way, I know there's one creature out there who's waiting there to devour me. And he won't say, oh, that's a pastor. I can't touch him. I'm the first one that he wants to hit. Do you know sin kills? I mean, they had, they had to put it on the cigarette packs. <laughs> Nobody believed it. Satan's driving passion is to get, especially Christians, to pull away from God, to play with sin, so that he can enslave them, and ultimately, bite by bite, devour them. Watch them. People don't fall away and then just bounce back, folks. You almost have to drag them kicking and screaming back into church and back into the Bible. You ever notice that? Because they're hurt. He's not only a terrifying destroyer, he is the puppeteer behind people. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Go back to the left. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Somebody point to flesh and blood around you. <laughs> We're all flesh and blood. Do you have an enemy in this room, yes or no? Technically, no. Is there an enemy in your house? Oh, let me think about that, Pastor. No. <laughs> Is there an enemy on the job? No. Is there an enemy in your estate? No. Is there an enemy in your school? No. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen? Keep going. But we do wrestle against principalities. Those are demons. Against powers, spiritual powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. The truth is, the devil is the one orchestrating the spirit behind who you think is your problem. That's who you're battling. You say, if I could just quit, if I just quit my job and got another job, yeah, but let me just be real honest with you. You do that, guess what? The devil will get behind that person now. You see, your problem's not with your boss, your problem's not with the coworker, your problem's not with your husband, your problem's not with your kids. The problem is with the spirit behind them. Amen? And we've got to learn that our enemy is a puppeteer. And people don't even know they're being used by the devil. They even know that what they're saying to discourage you came from the devil. And he's the only enemy to worry about. Too many Christians are obsessed with the fears that they constantly have. They're worried about the nightmares that they keep having. They worry about the problems they're carrying. They worry about the bullies in their life. They worry about, they worry about the fighting that goes on in their home. And they're worried about the temptations that they keep giving into. Don't you worry about anything about, except about him trying to get the upper hand. 
That's the one you got to worry about. So, how to defeat the darkness. And you know what darkness is. I mean, I talked about it a tiny bit on, on a Thursday night. But this, this thing of darkness is not a game. They made it uh, a game. Part of the darkness is called the Ouija board. Now, can I tell you a, a, a little fact about the Ouija board? More people have made demonic communication. I won't tell you because it's being recorded. But a friend of mine I went to Bible college with, you know why he got saved? Because he was talking to a demon on his Ouija board before he got saved. And the demon said, you're going to die tonight. And he freaked out. And I don't forget, he had a friend who was giving him the gospel. And uh, 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 he phoned him up on the old-fashioned phone. Phoned him up. And his friend came over there. He said, how do you know you're going to die? He says, I was talking. And he played out that stupid game. I don't even know how to play it. He played out that game, started talking. They played out the same letters again. You will die tonight. You know what that, do you know what that Christian did? He picked up that game and broke it. And when he broke it, my friend screamed. He said, what do I do to get free of this demon? He says, you need to get born again. Got him down on his knees, crying out to be forgiven, crying out to be free, and he got saved. He became a pastor. Preaching up in upstate uh, Washington State there. Let me tell you, you need to defeat the darkness. You don't need to play with it. So there is a biblical battle plan that I'm going to try to give you this morning and tonight that deals with some serious things about how to win. So let me give you four truths about spiritual warfare just so that you take this thing seriously. Number one, darkness will only get worse as the gospel goes out. Gospel lights go out. Believe me, Christian lights are going dark fast. I went to, uh, I worked for six and a half years for the telephone company. I never met another Christian. They were all eggheads where I worked. They were PhDs and masters. They had two masters and different, one in chemistry, second masters in, in, in uh, physics and all these things, all these different people working around me. I was the only one with a Bible degree, okay? And I'm working that thing and I gave out tracts. I invited people out to church. I gave the gospel, put my Bible on my desk. Never! Did I ever meet another Christian until the day I was leaving and they had a going away party. I had four guys come up to me one at a time saying, I'm a Christian too. And I wanted to knock their heads into the wall and say, where have you been for the last four and a half, six and a half years, man? There was no light there. I didn't have a great testimony. It was not some perfect thing. I'm just telling you, I wanted everybody to know that Christ was my Savior. And I was looking around, is there any other light? And I didn't see him. The lights are going out fast. The Bible calls it the great falling away in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Not that people aren't getting saved any, anymore. It's that, those who, it's that those who are saved are constantly only complaining. Constantly pulling back from being so committed. And even quitting nowadays and choosing to go back to the world like Demas. What if that describes you? I don't know if I can make it out to church every week. Are you serious? You'll make it to work. You'll make it to school. Let me just tell you, this is the most important place to be on a Sunday. Amen. There are exceptions if you're in the hospital, or if you're working in the hospital, or if you're a guardie. <laughs> but the rest of us, this is serious stuff. It is getting dark, and we're to blame 
Secondly, believe it can be defeated. 1 John 4, you're in Philippians, uh, Ephesians, go to the right, go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John, just before Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 4. First John 4, 4. I like how this says this. Ye are of God, little what? I mean, that, that's cool. It's like, he's not saying mighty men. No, he says, you're of God, little, frail, weak children, and you have what? You've overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You start believing that you can defeat whatever the devil's throwing at you. I mean, everything. Third, you need to determine to overcome. Uh, I didn't get to watch the rugby game yesterday because I don't have TV. But I'm, I, I got onto RT and they have a, had a minute-by-minute, minute, blow-by-blow destruction of England. <laughs> And it was just bam, bam, you know, it just took off. It was great. I said, I wish I could watch it, you know. But, but the point is this. We expected of rugby players and Olympians to get in there to win, amen? Can you imagine if England got up there and I heard England brag and say, we're going to trounce them, you know. This is our year. But let me tell you this. Can you imagine some Christians saying, I don't know if I... Can you imagine, let's see, if, if, if there was a rugby player who talked like a Christian saying, I don't know if we can do it. I just, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> you expect a rugby player to get into the match and to play to win, amen? And we need to expect that when we are in the spiritual fight, that we set out to win, determined to win. Go to Romans. You're, I'm taking you all over the Bible, so stay with me. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. What's the key word there? Overcome. Do you know, seven times in the book of Revelation, Jesus said to churches, He said this, He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, dot, 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 will I give. Over and over, Revelation 2 and 3, he said, over and over, to him that overcomes, we can overcome. You need to determine to. We need just the right weapons. 2 Corinthians now. You're in Romans. Go back to the left. Find second, I'm sorry, to the right. 2 Corinthians. This was our memory verse last month. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians 6, 7. By the word of truth, this is how we fight. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of what? Okay, we've got to have righteous armor on the right hand and on the left. We have to use the right way. You know, I could spend an entire... I could, I could Go for a month of Sundays trying to teach you about weapons and tactics and spiritual warfare. There are actually, I have found, at least 24 weapons, spiritual weapons, that we have as Christians. I'm only going to talk about some of them. The problem is we just don't use them. 
They're not the weapons of this world. They're not the weapons of psychological manipulation, the weapons of our culture, but they are the weapons of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, don't go there. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. They're not something that fits in your hand, but they are mighty through God. Now, some of God's weapons for the Christian are attitudes that we have, that the devil just can't get at us because our attitude keeps us above the darkness. Secondly, some of them are actions, some things that you do. But all of them are armor. All of them are ar- the armor of God on the righteous, archer, armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. They're all protective. And I'll say this again, they are not weapons you use against people. Can you imagine going into your boss saying, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I want that raise. <laughs> That's not how you fight, okay? Uh, too many times you miss out on just spending that time in prayer and asking for that raise or asking for grace in the eyes of your boss or whatever, and you just have this stinking attitude in front of them, you think you're going to get a raise. Why don't you pray about it and serve him or her like they were Jesus Christ? I bet you get the raise. So anyway, use right weapons. Let me go on. How to hit the enemy where it hurts. And I love this because I, I, I know that I can grieve the Holy Spirit. Does the Bible say grieve not the Holy Spirit? There are things that I can do that can hurt God. Does that make sense? But there are some things that you and I can do that can hurt the devil. That makes me happier. <laughs> Let's talk about how to hit the enemy where it hurts. Number one, just five simple truths and I'll finish them tonight. Number one, get very close to God. James. James, right after Hebrews, to the right, Hebrews, James, chapter 4. Give you some practical ways to fight the darkness in your life. James, chapter 4, the darkness in your home. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's in your office. I don't know where you're battling right now. Wherever it is, the first thing you've got to do is get very close to God. James, chapter 4, and verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does it say you can do after that? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you do nothing else, if you get nothing else from this message, get this. The only way to take on the biggest bully in the universe is to do it close to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way to do it. You will never be able to resist Satan's attacks until you're in love with God until you're submitted to His will, until you're obedient to His commands. Submit yourself to God. And then when the devil comes knocking, you can go boo and he has to run away. It's just true. Let me just say it a little bit stronger because some of you don't, don't really take this serious. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It's in the middle of your Bible. should be in the middle of your Bible. It's the book of Psalms. Psalm 119 and verse 11. There's a danger in a church like ours for people to hide away God's Word in their head where you store it away, where it becomes facts for arguments, where it becomes something that you check out on the YouTube, where it becomes just, just, just information. And you know, the Bible never tells you to only put it in your head. The Bible tells you to hide it away where? where what's the heart? That's the place that has emotion. Look, Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You've got to ask yourself, do you love that book? 
It's God's Word. And if you want to get close to God, you need... I, I don't understand it, Pastor. You do not need to understand this Bible as much as you need to love it. It needs to be put away in your heart. It needs to be something that you love more than the rugby, more than the holiday, more than anything else. Because when you get close to God, the devil can't touch you. That's when he can't. Go to Romans chapter 8. Well, no. Stay in Psalm, Psalm 145. We'll go to Romans in a second. Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verse 20. Psalm 145, 20. The Lord preserveth all them that... I love those next two words. What are they? Say we're loud. That love Him. Wicked. But all the wicked will He destroy. Wow. What am I going to say? I'm going to say this. Get embarrassingly close to God. I'm not going to act it out. But at the Last Supper, Jesus' time where he got them to remember him as he's getting ready to die, he had all his disciples around him, and they were all, some of them were arguing about who was going to be the greatest, who was going to, you know, have the most limelight. Some of them were maybe talking about how good the lamb tasted. I don't know. But there was one man who just, Maybe I will act it out. And he just sat there and he leaned upon the breast of Jesus. Who was that? John. You know what Jesus calls John? The beloved. Now, if I were Thomas or Andrew or Peter and I saw John, I'd say, that's embarrassing. Come on, John. Don't lean against Jesus. Come on. But John wasn't worried about being embarrassed. Who was it he leaning against? His Savior. The one who saved him. The one who taught him. The one who was giving his life for him. And, and John just leaned back and said, I want to be as close as I can. Be embarrassingly close to the Lord. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I wish that you had this in your heart of hearts. I wish when you came to church, and I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure how to say these things. Don't, don't always take offense at everything I say. Well, you're going to, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I wish you came into church and you didn't mind singing and being embarrassing in your singing if it's coming from your heart. Now, if you're trying to perform, we're all going to snicker. But if it's coming from your heart, we're just going to start singing with you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, you know this verse, but I want to show you a key phrase in this verse. And we know that all things work together for what? All right, so I'm under spiritual attack. Okay, so I seem to be losing the battle. All right, what do I need to do so I don't lose? Look at it. It says, I need to trust that this is going to turn out for good. It says, we know that all things work together for good to them that... There you go. There you go. If I just stay in love with the Lord Jesus, if I just am embarrassingly in love with Him. Um, I'm not going to embarrass my wife. Is she here? Is Nita here tonight? Today? I know she's here, but I know she had to help out maybe in Christ. She's not here. Good. Okay. No, <laughs> no I won't embarrass her. But when I was courting Nita, I did some embarrassing things. 
I sang outside of her window in the dorm. I wrote her cards. I wrote her cards. One of them I'm very proud of. I had this guy, and, and um, I, I drew this guy, and it, it, it has him opening up a measuring tape. He says, I tried to measure how much I love you. Now, come on, guys. Come on. Get this point. All right, this will work. This will work. I tried to measure how much I love you, and then when you open it up, he's all tangled up, and he's all covered up. He just can't get to the end of the cord. Says, and I couldn't find the, the, the length. The point is this. I did some embarrassing things. Why? Oh, there, oh no, you're not. I thought you had the same top as my wife. I was looking for her. She's going to kill me. But I want you to understand, when you're in love, you don't mind being embarrassed. Amen? When you're, when you're trying to win somebody's heart. If you are in a battle fight, you must fight it on your knees in love and de- developing your love for God. You need to have a sufficiently long, quiet time with God where you are reading slowly, carefully, just soaking it in page after page of your Bible, taking time to pray intensely for your family and for your own struggles. God is not a genie you just call on. Hey, God, hey, where are you? Come on, I need you right now. (laughs) No. I won't take it, but Proverbs 1 says there's going to come a day where somebody calls and I will not answer because I am no man's genie. You know, when we take the time to actually pray and we love to spend time with the Lord, guess what? He loves to spend time with us. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you, the Bible says, doesn't it? Make time every morning with a list of people and problems to talk to Jesus about. You got a problem with pastor? Put me on your prayer list. Amen. Amen. Make time to read at least one, if not four, chapters of your Bible, starting for, going from start to finish. Make time to worship and thank God for every breath you have and every good gift in your life, because He gave it to you, and it'll affect you for good. Do you know what God is? The Bible says this in 1 John 1:5. It says, "God is light." And in him is no darkness at all. How many of you like a solid, a holiday in the sun? Let me see your hand. You know why? Because it come back tanned. It has an effect. But if you spend time in the presence of light, it'll affect you for the rest of the day, won't it? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust who spend time close to Him, and you go to work that morning, everybody say, what's into Him? Exodus 34. Go back to the left. Find Exodus, second book in your Old Testament, Exodus chapter 34. Like I said, if you only get this one point, you'll get the main message. Exodus 34. Sorry, 34, 28. 34, 28. And this is Moses, he's up on Mount Sinai, and it says, and he was there with the Lord 40 days, Exodus 34, 28, and 40 nights he did neither eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the table the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hands, when he came down from the mount that Moses wist not, he knew not that the skin of his face shown while he talked with him. 
when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face radiated, we'd say, shone. And they were afraid to come nigh on him. And you'd be afraid too. You'd say, have you been near Sellafield? <laughs> I mean, uh, what's this radiation? They were afraid of him. And afterward, verse 32, it says, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment. All the Lord has spoken with him in Mount Sinai. The point is this. Moses is a great example of somebody who spent time with God 40 days, and when he came down, he was not the same. Wouldn't it be nice if your boss, if your employers, if your teachers, if your uh, classmates, if your wife, your husband, your kids saw a different man? You may go down on the side of the bed or on the side of the couch, a grumpy old man, you come up a new man. It just happens. Because that'll dispel darkness. So that act right there will create a soldier, amen? It'll create a fighter. It'll create a winner. Secondly, Romans 12 now. How do, you, how do you wrestle the darkness, fight the darkness? How do you win over the darkness? You repent of it. <laughs> this is scary. I'm going I'm to say some things. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. This is a big weapon the devil robs too many Christians of. Romans 12.9 says this, Let love be without dissimulation. Meaning that you don't, you don't fake love towards one person and give it towards somebody else. You show love towards everybody. Let love be without preference. And then what does it say next? Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Christian, don't make light of sin and of dark things, sinful things. I used to. Before I got saved, my music was dark. Some of you were the same. I collected music. I listened to music. I don't know why, but my generation collected records and cassette tapes. and we just Music just was just something we were addicted to. You say, well, I, don't have, I, I just listen to music passive. Yeah, but what about the pornography on your phone? You play with it. Some of you toy with alcohol. Some of you play with gambling, throwing away money, and then you complain, well, I don't have any money for the Lord. You don't care what you watch or what you laugh at? I can't find any Irish comedians to laugh at. Can you? They're filthy. Don't make light of sin and of darkness. It ought to upset you and anger you at how much you love the world. I know they love the world out there. I know this world loves its own. But when I find myself loving it too, it ought to, it ought to upset me. The Bible says we need to abhor darkness, especially in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 7.14, don't go there, but the Bible says if my people, us, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God's people can be doing wicked things. Can you agree? Then will I heal their land. Then will the devil be pushed back. Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll show you some things that we're too comfortable with. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Ephesians 4, 25. 
Look at all these things he lifts here, just in a practical way. He says, Ephesians 4, verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying. Putting away is an old word for divorcing ourselves from ever lying. I don't find that easy for some people. They seem to always just, always just say anything, and they don't care whether they're lying or not. But the Bible says, put it away. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He says, number two, be ye angry, and yet sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get it fixed by the end of the day. Neither give place to the what? These things he's listing in this chapter all go and open a door or unlock the door so the devil can come into your life and ruin it. Verse 26, 20, 28, sorry. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's a big one. How many of you still are comfortable with saying hell? How many of you still say filthy words out of your mouth? I'm talking to us. How many of you still say, God, and you're not worshiping? The Bible says let no filthy uh, communication come out of your mouth. You know what happens when you say those words? It's like, come on in! I left the door open, devil! But that which is good to the use of edifying, I hate you! Oh, the devil just said, here I come! See, when we use hurtful words, when we use evil words, dark words, and I'm guilty just as much as anybody in this room, we're giving way to the devil. You don't use my words for that which is good to the use of edifying, that it be ministered grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. What's clamor? That's yelling. Ever been in an argument? And it got a little heated? And the volume went up? And the neighbors came over? <clears throat> clamor. Put it out. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice is what you, what, what the fighting that goes on inside your head against is, um, if, if, if I ever see them again, I'm going to give them what for. That's malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, lying is an open door for the devil to come back into your life. Anger, stealing, if you feel comfortable stealing, the devil is right behind puppeteering you and using you to ruin your testimony as a Christian. Cruel words out of your mouth, grieving the Holy Spirit. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, an unholy spirit comes in. Wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking and malice are all doorways the devil used to get back into your life. You need to close those doors. Don't give place unto the devil. I'm not a fan of cats. That's a nice way of saying it, isn't it, Weston? I'm not a fan of cats, okay? And you can tell if a cat ever comes to my house, I close the door. <laughs> and if I ever find a cat in my house, it'll be because I left the window open. Guess what I'm going to do with the window? I will close the window. The point is, if I have a problem with anger, I've got, I, I've got an open door. The devil comes in, and I've got to close that door. Amen? I have to. If I've got a problem with my eyes, and what I'm watching, and what I'm looking at, I have to close that door. I say, you know what? I've got to get rid of this thing that gives me access to whatever it may be on the internet or on television. Get rid of the movie channels, I think. 
What movie was the last one you watched that you could sit down and watch with all your kids? Maybe Toy Story, I mean. <laughs> but that's not on your television usually. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Romans 13 says, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I have to get rid of some things. That's repentance. And I'm going to say, mm, Lord help me, the hardest thing this church will ever find its ability to do is to repent because we're so full of information that we, 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 we come and we listen and we never act on it. And so the fear is that Satan just has a grip on too many of us. And I don't want that. There ought to be a, a desire in us that says, Lord, if, you, if, if what, what is being said is right, and if I'm wrong, help me, Lord, to always get right. Help me always to repent. Help me always to abhor what may be in me that is a doorway for darkness. Because if you repent of it, guess what the devil is not going to be able to have a grip on anymore? You. Third, claim the blood of Christ. Go to, uh, go to uh, Hebrews, sorry, go to the right, Hebrews. Chapter 9. You know, when your conscience is overwhelmed by all the past, when your heart is crushed by the tempter, when your guilt is killing you day after day, when fear has immobilized you, and when pain, physical pain, emotional pain, is, 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 has all of your attention, there is, a, there is a weapon that you have. It is the power that's in the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. Let me show you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, in verse 12. In verse 12, what's the difference between Christ's death and the death of all the millions of lambs throughout history, lambs at the Day of Atonement, lambs at, at, at uh, the Passover, uh, all of those lambs slain? What's the difference between them and Christ? Their blood. Their blood was temporary. When they died, they were dead. But the blood of Jesus Christ is forevermore alive. It is eternal. Go to, uh, look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He, Jesus, entered in once into the holy place, into heaven, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, they could do that, how much more shall the blood of Christ, watch it, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, how much more shall it purge your what? What you think about. It can purge, it can flush, it can wash, it can cleanse your conscience from all those dead works, all those empty efforts, so that you can serve the living God. Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. See, we're a church, we're a Bible-believing church. I don't introduce you to psychology. I don't tell you how to just ignore your sinful past or how to get over your guilt or whatever. I tell you, you need the blood of Jesus Christ. 
You need what he did. You don't need a sacrificial lamb. You need the lamb of God dying in your place and his blood being shed for your sin and that blood can still be called upon to help you now. Watch this. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. If you look in verse 10, I heard a voice, a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser, that's Satan, of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. There's that key word. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Believe that the blood of Jesus Christ can free you, wash you, cleanse you from any kind of darkness. You know, there are things you can't help but notice and see. Do you ever, do you ever catch yourself and you're watching something? Or maybe you watched a video, I don't care if it was five years ago, that stuff comes up in the head, doesn't it? Those images that you allow yourself to see, those images that some friend may send you, or whatever you've experienced, they're stuck in here, aren't they? When they appear, you can plead the blood, you can claim the blood to purge them out. Burn them out. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us, present tense, from all sin. Claim the blood of Christ. Next time you're just oppressed with fear, you're oppressed with, with uh, temptation, you're, you're oppressed with, with you're, just, you're just crumbling, ask for the blood of Jesus Christ to just flood out all of those fears and all of that memory and all of that hurt and the blood of Jesus Christ can. It is a weapon, folks. It is a weapon. The devil can't touch that in your life. Before, learn to pray. Learn to pray through the darkness. I don't know if you've ever had a sick child. I don't know if you've ever had anybody where you knew the devil was trying to get at somebody that you loved and was trying to kill them. We're trying to bring them down. Maybe they're a wayward son or a wayward daughter. Maybe they're a marriage falling apart. You, need, you cannot just pray a simple prayer, folks. We've got to learn to pray through the darkness. Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 1. Great parable Jesus teaches about prayer. Luke 18, 1, and he spake, he, Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to, don't quit. Saying there wasn't a city, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. He wasn't a good judge. There was this widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. This widow had an enemy who was trying to take advantage of her. Maybe her husband died, therefore there were bills to, that had not been paid. Maybe the adversary was going to take away the farm, the house, was going to take away their inheritance. This adversary was going to ruin her. Do we have an adversary like that? We have an adversary just like that. Verse 4. And he, the judge, would not for a while. He wouldn't help her. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because, and I can hear him saying it through his clenched teeth, yet because this widow troubleth me, <laughs> I will avenge her. Lest by her, what's the next words? Continual coming 
she weary me. Now, is it possible to wear, to weary, to wear God out? Is it possible to? No. But you ought to try. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. But then he adds this question. He says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh again, shall he find faith on the earth? Is he going to find anybody doing this? Is he going to find anybody that really, when they pray, they stay in prayer until something happens? Somebody summarized it this way. P-U-S-H. You know what that stands for? P-U-S-H. Push. It stands for pray until something happens. Pray. Because wrestling happens there. You need to wrestle your mind to the place of prayer. Bring it into submission where you say, I'm going to pray when I want to go do something else. You need to wrestle your priorities to where you put prayer first. Well, you need to wrestle your will so that you can do whatever God asks you to do. You need to wrestle your temptations down in the place of prayer. You know what Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, what did he use to cut the devil to pieces? The Word of God. You know, you need to start remembering Scripture and quoting it in prayer. And when the devil comes and tempts you, draw the sword of the Spirit and quote it to him. Remind him, I am more than a conqueror. I do not have to listen to you. I do not have to obey you anymore. You can pray specifically against the spirits that are behind someone in bondage. Maybe you see somebody, you need to pray against their spirit. Somebody going through a divorce, pray against that spirit. Amen? Somebody and they're, they're, they're uh, caught up in, in drug addiction, pray against that spirit. Say, God, I... I pray and I beg you that this spirit that has them would be done away with and give them the freedom to finally choose Christ. Pray against the spirit. You know, there's one name you can use when you're struggling in prayer. Jesus. Jesus said, you know, when you pray, use my name. <laughs> you can't do it in your own power. You call on that name to help. Lastly, Replace all darkness with the joy of the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 8, it says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Why would I need strength? Because I'm in a war. I'm in a fight. Replace all the darkness. You have to replace it. You can't just resist the devil. You need to replace him in your life. First thing you need to replace him with, go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, sorry, is singing. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Second Chronicles. We have so much technology and we're losing the war. Facebook, Instagram, Internet, PowerPoint doesn't win the fight. You know what wins the fight? Singing. I love it. I love it. Watch it. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 21. Israel was headed into a battle, and guess what they're told? When he had consulted with the people, he, the, um, uh, the king of that day was called Jehoshaphat, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed not soldiers, not here at this point, they already have been appointed, there are plenty of soldiers, he says he appointed singers unto the Lord, 
and that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. And when they began to what? Say it with me. Sing and to praise the Lord. And praise. The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, which were come, which, which were come against Judah, and they were what? So you've got an army. I don't know how many. 50,000, 100,000. And you know what Jehoshaphat knew as he consulted with different people? They said, I think we need to sing. So at the very front of the army was not a tank, was not a missile launcher, was not the biggest, baddest weapon they had. It was a group of people that he says, I want you guys to sing, and I want everybody to take the lead. And as you sing, we'll all sing and go into that fight. And guess who went around behind them and fought for them? God did. Let me tell you how important it is for you in your home to sing unto the Lord. If your home is dark, sing. The devil can't touch that. You just, I, I, I'm only going to, I'm only on the radio. I'm not, I am pushing a radio program, okay. But I'm not trying to, to say anything except if you don't have any godly music, don't trust the radio. I'm only on for an hour on a Friday night. Some of the rest of the programs there are pure rubbish music. But you need to have something that when you're at home and it's dark, you just break out into singing. Sing, folks. Sing. Because in the fight, the devil can't touch somebody and can't touch the, the battle when you're praising the Lord. You have opened heaven and shut his door. You're in Second, uh, Second Chronicles. Go back to chapter 5. Second Chronicles chapter 5. You'd be surprised what you can find in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 5. In verse 13. This is brilliant. While you're singing, start praising. Second Chronicles chapter five, verse thirteen, and it came to it, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and they praised the Lord, saying, "For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever." But then the house could be your house if you want it, was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not attend to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had... What's the next word? Is there any room for the devil when the Lord fills the house? And what were they doing that made it so the Lord felt welcome to fill that house? They were praising and thanking God. The second thing you're going to replace darkness with is with praise and thanksgiving, a gratefulness. You need to just thank God for every breath you've got. If, if Buddy Blanco could be here right now, he'd say one word. He says, live like today's your last day. Praise God like he deserves now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Praise God. Thank God for everything because tomorrow it could be gone. Amen? Be thankful. The joy of the Lord and assemble together. You want to you have victory over, over darkness? Get to church. Get to church. Instead of sitting at home, apart from other Christians who are gathering together here, why don't you come to church? Why don't you, you say, I don't come on Sunday night. You know why? 
four-letter word. What do you guess it is? L. A. Come on, help me out. What's the next one? Z. Last one. Y. That's Y. Folks, I don't care if you've never come to church twice in your life. Start doing it. When Sunday night is church. Say, why do you need that? Because it's a dark world out there and we're losing. And we've got to, so much the more, the Bible says. Not back off. If you want to be light, if you want to be strong, if you want to be undefeated, get around other Christians that are on fire. Coals that are step away from church, coals that step away from the fire, go dark. Put them back in the fire and they light up again. That's what this church is. It's a place to get on fire, get excited about God. Some, some, some of you used to be here more. Some of you used to come Sunday nights. Some of you used to come Wednesday nights. I'm not trying to single you out. I'm just trying to get you to say, you know what? I have given the devil my time now. I'm going to give it back to God. Because I'll tell you this, your decisions about priorities will affect your children. What you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. You say, I only take a few drinks. Well, if you've got kids... They'll drink under the table. Well, you know, I only go to church on Sunday morning. Your kids will never go to church. If you don't set the standard high, the next generation won't even strive to do half. That's what we're up against. I'll be more tonight. But replace all that darkness with good things. Tonight I'm going to talk about running. Not exercise running, but running. Fasting. Confidence. You better have some confidence, some consistency. And I'm going to show you about burning bridges. Oh, good. No. <laughs> Not literal bridges. You know what the results of active spiritual warfare in the life of a believer is? Number one, Satan will flee, at least for a while. He'll leave you alone. As soon as, as, as Jesus finished praying, the devil left him for a while. Have a little respite there. Secondly, you will win battle by battle, inch by inch. You do not have to keep losing ground. 1 John 2.14 says, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. Wouldn't that be great? That when you get to heaven, you don't have the epitaph of, this is a failure, to, he's an overcomer. Let's welcome the overcomer. People will spiritually, that you spiritually fight for, let me just be real honest, there are people who don't know how to pray. There are people right now that you know of and I know of that are going through spiritual warfare, spiritual battle, spiritual oppression. I don't care, even if it's spiritual possession. You pray against that spirit to free them up so that they can choose Christ. So they can be free to do right. So they can come back to church. So they will be free of pride. You say, what's the problem? There's spirit behind them. And it takes some of us, if not all of us, praying against that spirit. Well, I pray against so-and-so. Wasting your time. You're not helping anybody. Pray against the spirit behind them. Because the people you spiritually fight for, you can make free. Amen. You can't get them saved, but you can get them, you can get them free to choose Christ. Your life will burst forth with light. i got a verse I'll show you tonight. It says, Arise and shine, for thy light has come. You see, Christ is our light. He comes into our life, and God says, Now shine. And you know, 
if you, if you get these points, instead of being a dark life, instead of being discouraged, depressed, defeated, you'll shine. And maybe, just maybe, our nation might be spared. Because I think Ireland's in trouble, don't you? I think Europe is pretty dark. And God doesn't say, if all people, who does he say? If my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. All of this only works for a born-again child of God, folks. Honestly, until you repent of your own sinfulness and believe what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, you are going to die in your sin. You don't have to live and die that way. You can be free. If you just believe the good news that Christ died to make you free. You just got to start believing He wants you. You start believing that He actually... If there's nobody else on this planet, he would have died for you. We let him save you right now. You can call on him and ask him to save you. You can cry out right now. Used to be in the old time churches, they didn't have the pride we do, where people would grip the chair in front of them or the pew in front of them, and they're fighting God, and finally they'd say, okay, God, you win. And I mean, right in that meeting right there, people get on their knees crying out for God to save them. We need that again. We need that again. Would you stand with me and pray? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me ask you. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe that what Jesus did was enough to save you from the wrath of God? Well, amen. It's also enough to save you from the wrath of the devil and the grip of Satan. And yeah, you're not going to have, it's not that you're not going to have troubles, but the troubles won't have you. And I'd like to be able to say, in life or in death, that we were overcomers. We were overcomers. Are you saved? I don't know. Some people put on a good show. I have no idea what's in your heart. You may tell me a thousand times, yeah, I'm saved, but are you? The Bible doesn't tell me that I need to confirm your salvation. The Bible actually tells, tells everybody to examine themselves and make sure. Make sure. Because it's serious, folks. They have a like for you to be deceived, thinking you're good enough, or you're smart enough, or you've done enough, when you haven't. You never will. The invitation's open to you. If you want to talk to me, please come. If, you're not, if you do not know what would happen to you if you died today, I'd like to show you in the Bible how to know that you know that you know for sure that you'd be with Jesus in his presence in a heartbeat. If you're a Christian, I want you to hunger to have victory. I want you to desire to have a walk with God so close that the devil can't get close to you. Father, would you bless these thoughts? I, I need hours to talk about this. But in this brief time, We've learned enough, we've heard enough, God, for us to put on the whole armor of God and to face in tomorrow a different people. We would arise and shine because our light has come. Jesus has come into our lives. He has made a difference. And we can make a difference now. I pray we would in Jesus' name. Amen.